0: You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network.
1: You're listening to the Pullbox Podcast the International Graphic Novel Book Club. Here are your hosts, Curtis Findlay and Michael Cohen.
0: Hello and welcome to yet another episode of Pullbox Podcast. This is episode number 30. Pretty special and this has been Scott Pilgrim month. We're going to be talking about Scott Pilgrim, um, the movie this time, and I am your host, Curtis Findlay. I'm your other host, Michael Cohen. Um yeah I sort of messed up that intro I went into it without introducing us sorry <laughs> about right. that um, yeah this has been a, a pretty good uh, pilgrimage through Scott Pilgrim yeah. and uh, we are going to bring the whole thing to a grand conclusion talking about the movie and yeah. the book which is better which is different um, yeah. Is are, are they do the old things they each have their own merits yeah so a little bit of backstory is that once volume one came out and yeah. was a pretty big success pretty much right out the out of the gate uh the movie options kind of automatic or right away got picked up yeah and then as um as the stories came out it it the movie was being developed and um i guess the movie actually came out the same month that the sixth volume was released Yes, so um so because of the, you know, the, of course, they had to know what was going on beforehand. The sixth volume is pretty different than the end of the movie. Yeah. Um, but the rest of it is fairly, fairly on track. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's still a very different movie than the books.
1: Yeah. I, the biggest difference being that the books take place over the course of about a year of Scott's life. And the movie takes place over the course of about a couple, a couple of Yeah, I, I... There, there's. It's definitely condensed, um, and it's definitely yeah. breakneck. It um, really is,
0: and that was the thing that surprised me because the books take their time because yeah. they're it's a series of books. Yeah, but the movie moves so fast. Yeah, holy cow! I couldn't um, believe how fast it moves.
1: And the movie is fun. I, I, I love it. It's, it's, it is probably one of my favorite movies from the last uh, decade. because uh, uh, at this point now that was when was it? It was 2010. Yeah. Wow. Uh, So it was, it was uh, five and a half years ago. Um, uh, It did very poorly at the box office, which is too bad, Um, but it's kind of a cult. movie Yeah. Because, because it was, um, I think it was, it wasn't marketed as well as it could have been. The marketing worked for people who already wanted to see it. It made us all excited, but I, but it, 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 it didn't I don't say think that it pulled anybody in yeah. um, um, that wouldn't have already gone to see it. So it didn't already know what Scott Pilgrim was, or have a friend who would drag them to see Scott Pilgrim. So I, I the video game, sorry, the movie definitely pulls in the video game aspect of it to a much larger degree than the comics did. Um, it it really sort of seizes on on uh, the comic angle and the the video game angle. And it amps them up uh, to a degree that it actually kind of outdoes the books themselves. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Especially on the video game side of things. As intense as the battles are in the comic, um, they're very manga inspired. um, And to the point where where, uh, in Volume 4, the fight with Roxy Richter, his final fight with her, is actually a samurai battle where when he gets his sword it's one it's one hit right yeah the whole battle yeah. is one sh- one strike and he cuts her in half um yeah which is a which is an homage to old samurai movies yeah um and uh the but the movie is much more of your sort of um street fighter crossed with a jackie chan yeah Uh, i sort of crazy spectacle battle um so right right from the get-go when he first fights matthew patel it's you know there's fireballs and, and it was all stuff from the comics but it's all um the there's there's almost you can almost see the health meters above the characters yeah. at times because like the k the the you know fight and ko and and the the combo counters and all that stuff um is all very like sort of omnipresent in the battles. Um, and then the rest of the time, it's very much a, a comic book movie.
0: Um, yeah, you see a, there's a life meter at the very end of the Gideon fight. They do yeah, yeah. put one in, in there. So here's my biggest problem with with the movie. Now, don't get me wrong, I, I do like the movie a lot. Yeah. There are some great things. I love the soundtrack. <laughs> yeah. Beck, I found out reading a little bit about this, Oh, he wrote the that. songs. Yeah, I was, yeah that's great. Yeah, cra- yeah, he, wrote, he wrote all the songs. I love that. I'm a big Beck fan. And once I knew, I was like, oh yeah, that's totally that's yeah. totally just true. Um, now, the the books are about growing up and that journey into adulthood yeah um relationships and such the movie is about big fights yeah fighting the evil exes that's all it's about yeah so in that sense it it, feels a little disappointing
1: it reduces ramona to a prize at the end of the right at the end of the movie
0: right yes Yeah, yeah she gets yeah she gets uh she gets taken by Gideon at the very yeah. end and is held under his control until Scott comes and sets her free. Yeah. Which is too bad because like, like we talked about in the last episode, she has a journey that she's gotta work through. Yeah. And in the end, they both defeat Gideon because they've both found out what, what they need to do and how what they need to how they need to, to evolve as, as people. Yeah. And that doesn't happen in the movie at all. In yeah. fact, it doesn't really even happen for Scott.
1: Well, yeah, nobody, nobody um, is that different at the end of the movie than they were at the beginning of the movie. Yeah, yeah. So Scott's kind of a—he's a slacker. He's a
0: little whiny, and then he meets the girl of his dreams. In order to keep the girl of his dreams, he's got to fight the bad guys. Yeah, he doesn't have to change as a person. He doesn't yeah. have to work through his issues with her or his issues with his past. He he only has to fight these these bad guys which is not a big deal because for some reason he's an amazing fighter yeah
1: well he's the best fighter they know yeah <laughs> uh, they say that in the comic um i when 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 matthew patel shows up at the beginning uh, i think it's ramona who's like oh no like is he gonna be okay and then and then stacy is like scott he was like the best fighter in our high school, <laughs> right? And it's like, w- wait, what? Because up until that point, he's just a total slacker. And it works in the movie that same way. And it's, it's the, the, the thing about the movie that I love so much is that spiritually it gets what Scott Pilgrim is as a unique story. Like, cause, yeah. cause Scott Pilgrim stands apart from a lot of other stuff. Like it, it is definitely influenced and it draws in all of these different things but it's um, the, 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 the whole is not equal to the sum of its parts, right? right. Uh, if you just took those elements and put them together in any other context, it, it might not be the same magic that is Scott Pilgrim. Um, and that's, that, that is Brian Lee O'Malley. And it's the same thing that he brings to seconds. And I'm sure it's the same thing that he brings. I uh, to uh, what's the first one lost at, at sea. sea to a lesser degree, but yeah, yeah, obviously he's he's developing his skill on that one, but but um, I it, it's it's thanks so much to his spirit, and then I in a in a in a moment of uh, I I don't know very uh very uh rare grace by. I uh, movie studios Universal to be partic- uh, to be specific, I uh, they bring in Edgar Wright to to direct this movie, and I uh, and I'll like co-write it and I uh, that without Edgar Wright Scott Pilgrim versus the World A would not be a movie because right. nobody would have moved it forward <laughs> yeah and B would not be I. Uh, a bit of a masterpiece because it's his visual sensibility, his comic timing, yeah. um, and and this is the biggest piece of it. It is the name Edgar Wright that gets you Michael Sarah. it gets you uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, it gets you unbelievably uh, right before he becomes one of the biggest movie stars, going Chris Evans. Yeah, it gets you. Uh, basically, in his first high-profile role since Superman, Brandon right. Routh. Yeah. Uh, Tom Jane shows up for a right. cameo. Yeah, yeah. I, I I I Kieran Culkin's in it. I, I, all um um Aubrey Plaza. Aubrey Plaza right before her career takes off. Um, well, kind of in the middle, um, of, isn't it? She it's it's like it. season two of oh, really? Parks okay. and Rec. Yeah, yeah. So um, still fairly new. Maybe place. even maybe not even that. It might actually be before Parks and Rec, or it might be season one of Parks and Rec. Okay. Um, um, Anna Kendrick, yeah. right before her before she, career starts yeah. to take off. Um, I mean, Pitch Perfect is a few years later, and that's sort of been her biggest thing so far. But uh, it is it, it it really is a star studded cast of indie darling sort of people right. coming and, together before yeah um yeah. jason schwartzman oh yeah at the right. height of, of his career yeah and um he's kind of disappeared since then yeah. uh, unless you're watching a uh wes anderson movie or, or the, or the movie
0: bill murray or. well that's a Wes. the bill murray christmas special was pretty much a wes
1: anderson movie <laughs> yes, too basically it was pretty it's depressing their, but he was there he was good um but yeah i i and, and, and of course, as you mentioned, Beck. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nobody, totally. like, I shouldn't say nobody, but, like, very few directors in Hollywood are going to get Beck yeah. to go, you're making a comic book movie and you <laughs> want me to write the original music for it? Totally. It, um, yeah, yeah. No, it, it's
0: uh, it's an amazing an amazing yeah. ensemble. And they're all cast
1: perfectly. Oh, right.
0: Every single character was...
1: To, to, a, to an astounding degree Yeah. Um, the the one piece of this movie that I will always say uh, it, it's always going to be lacking for me is that I, I, Ramona changes her hair so often oh, yeah. that the only way that they could do it without destroying Mary Elizabeth Winstead's hair is by using wigs, wigs. and the wigs as Good as they are, are still wigs. Yeah. Well, I thought, um, it's just there's something artificial about it. And I, I, her wardrobe in general kind of bugs me because she's <laughs> Ramona is a little bit more together than what they portray her as in the movie. Uh, from an aesthetic point of view, yeah. So well, she I, actually yeah. has a really cool style in the comics, especially in the colored ones, which is what I just read. And then you see her in the movie. And it's sort of like... The, it looks like a value village threw up on
0: it. Well, and I think like, that's partly because... the of, We talked about in, vol, in, vol, in the first episode about Scott Pilgrim... Yeah. About just the, the era that these comics yeah. were made in. And the era... That grunge era yeah. had a very distinct look to it. And people try to replicate that now... With their value village thrift store finds or yeah. whatever. Like that's become a thing. Uh, and it doesn't... It... you. It doesn't look the same way. And I think Hollywood take, it, tries to um, make it look polished as well. <laughs>
1: yeah. R- Ramona in in the comics, especially in like volumes four and five, as she starts to mature a little bit and become comfortable in her relationship with Scott, she stops dressing quite as ridiculously. Right. And and starts to take on a little bit of a girl next door sort of aesthetic. Yeah. And when she hits that, for me, it's like, oh, that's like, that's perfect. Um but in the co- in the movie she never there's never a moment like that. She is always ridiculous. She she has three hairstyles in the movie, but her hairstyle actually never changes. Just the color of her hair. Right? <laughs> oh. Like she's always got the the little things, right. you know, the little side burny type thing. She had uh, and the short like the 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 spiky back hair. Yeah. Sort of look. Um but by the end of the series like she kind of grows out of that uh, and in in volume six her outfit is actually very together it's very uniform um but in in the movie I, it just feels it it feels very juvenile to me i there there's just something about her visual in the movie that is off the yep. casting is perfect yep I think that they. Uh, uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead she brings that perfect balance of um, girl next door crossed with danger right because that's what Ramona is where she's like she's she's beautiful and she's sweet and she's kind but don't piss her off because she'll kill you or break (laughs) your heart or both right Right. Um, and that's that character but again the casting across the board is spot on I mean uh, I I don't know who else you could get to play Scott Pilgrim other than Micah, Michael Sarah. I know. In this yeah, day and age. Right? Exactly.
0: He's, he was the perfect guy and I yeah. often wonder how if Brian Leo O'Malley had certain people in mind as he was writing these things. Yeah. And like even Brandon Routh as Todd Ingram, like once I saw that, yeah. like of course,
1: yeah. that is exactly who that guy well, is. Well when, when he when Scott calls him a cocky cock <laughs> i i can't imagine anybody other than brandon roth yeah in that sit, sitting across from him uh yeah. and uh, and chris evans uh as as lucas lee um especially because lucas lee i i personally i think lucas lee is the standout in in the movie of the of the ex-boyfriends yeah uh, of the exes, I should say. and um,
0: Yeah, heels was good, even though they kind of went overboard with all those bodyguards and stuff.
1: Yeah, but the moment, this is the thing. Lucas Lee, I would love to see some Lucas Lee movies get made with <laughs> yeah, Chris right. Evans. Because uh, the line that he has where he, he's on the payphone and he goes, the next click you hear is me hanging up. The one after that is me pulling the trigger, and then he <laughs> and then he hangs up the phone with the butt of his pistol, and it's just it's so good, and uh, the and then you you hear lines of dialogue um, from one of his movies that that Wallace is watching. He says them to Scott. And, but, like, Scott doesn't know that he's talking to him yet. Like, all of these things, all of the visual gags, everything is is played so perfectly with Lucas Lee to the point where he is much better in the movie than he is in the comics. <laughs> he's the one piece for me that I can say, like, Lucas Lee in the comics is all right, and, like, he, uh, he, he's kind of almost forgettable. Like, Volume 2 is that forgettable volume where you just kind of read through it and move on to the next thing. Um, but in the movie... And I really think that this is all Chris Evans. Like this is this is ninety nine point nine percent Chris Evans, one percent everybody else who worked to bring that character to life. Yeah. Because his performance and his his delivery of the dialogue uh, when he says, "I uh, there's like two hundred steps and the rails are garbage." It's like <laughs> just the way that he says it. You're just like. I love this character. I love this guy, and he gets an off-screen death, kind of. yep See, <laughs> so it's the, he hits the granny's just this explosion yeah. of coins and from the neighborhood far away. away. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I I do like I I love the movie. I and and I think one of the biggest things, and for anybody who listened to the last two episodes, and especially the last episode, the end of the movie for me is better than the end of the comic. Oh um, yeah. The, obviously, in, the movie the, doesn't then delve into all of the personal growth because the movie doesn't have the personal, personal growth. growth. Right. But in terms of of uh, uh, story structure and and the perfect climax and then denouement, it's it it it, it hits it way better than Volume Six of Scott Pilgrim does. Because Volume uh, Six, the climax takes so long, and there's like three climaxes
0: in the movie. There are three sort of three climaxes as well mm-hmm. I, I feel like it's like in that final in the final thing there was the battle with knives yes which didn't need to be there um i don't think uh and then she like she joins the party to help d- destroy gideon as well yeah. um and then you have the gideon battle and then negascott comes it's like there's a last final thing which ends up being really nothing so it's, it's just a gag yeah, yeah. um which is too bad because I thought Nagas Scott was a pivotal moment in the books, but again, they don't d- deal with any of that emotional yeah. stuff, so who cares? Um, but uh, but the movie, yeah, it has like these false battles in there as well, which I felt was kind of kind of was a little bit over the top as well.
1: How do you mean? Like the... in the
0: same way that you thought the the book went over the top with yeah. like the scene inside the the purse, yeah, with you know Gideon gets all big and scary or whatever i thought that the the finale in the movie also kind of went a little bit too big having pointless pointless battles and just kind of over the top flashy which the whole movie was kind of over the top flashy Um, but
1: i think i think the difference being that in the movie they're no longer than a minute a piece right so so when you when you really break it down rather than 50 pages yeah, yeah in the viewing of it it's like Scott shows up, he challenges Gideon, he has to fight Gideon's guards, that, like, that oh, yeah, whole yeah, sequence right. is about a minute and a half total, Yeah, like, from the time that he walks in, to the time that he then goes to fr- confront Gideon, and then he fights Gideon the first time, and that is maybe a minute and a half, two minutes, and then he dies, and then he comes back, and it's played faster, like, they play it back faster to get you caught back up to that point, and then every battle after that is, like, they're... they're it's literally broken into, like, 60-second chunks because it goes, like, sort of from one battle and then this battle and then this battle and then this battle and then, battle and then, battle and then the final battle and right. then it's end. So... And then it's over. So, really, like, by the end of it, the whole Gideon sequence is actually not that long. And if you left to go to the bathroom, you would come back and be like, oh, he beat him? Oh. oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right? So, it it... I don't know. It, it does. It does actually go by pretty quick, um, and it, it plays out in a, in a pretty rapid succession. But yeah. Um, but I get. I get what you're saying. That it is. It is very flashy and it is very grandiose. Um, but but I, think I guess all of the battles for games. games but... Yeah.
0: True. Very true. Yeah. The and then having um, having the band together through the whole yeah. movie as well. Also. Meant that they could change a few a few things up, like um, all of the all of the, the the fight scenes took place in clubs, except for yeah. Lucas Lee's. Um, yeah,
1: that takes place on the set. Well, uh, yeah, yeah. I guess everything else takes place in a club. But
0: everything else takes place yeah. in a club. Like the the samurai battle isn't really a samurai battle no. with the half ninja that takes place in a club.
1: Well, that's a that fight ends up being a mix of Ramona fighting Envy, and like because that's in volume. Three. Three, I think. Uh, S- Envy fights Ramona and Scott, and the whole sequence where where Ramona uses Scott is actually in like it's actually against Envy, right? Oh yeah. Um, and then they use that like they transpose that and use it in the fight against right. against Roxy, um, as well as the fight. Like Ramona never uses Ramona never fights Roxy. Uh, Ramona makes out with Roxy, which is one of my biggest problems with the book. I, <laughs> I the whole hammer thing is is the fight with envy, right? Yeah. yeah so yeah, um, yeah it, it it is actually like there there's a pretty big difference there. Um, one of the biggest differences is the Nagi twins, who like they're their DJs. whole story is reduced to one scene, yeah. where they're DJs and dragons come out of their amps yeah so i uh, because they're asian i (laughs) i and so because uh sex blah or a bunch of canadians when their music manifests into a giant monster (laughs) it's an abominable snowman it's a yeti Uh, which like a giant sasquatch um that is my favorite sequence in the whole movie yeah that's my favorite sequence in the whole movie and i i can't say that it's better than the book because it's so different like it right Uh, but to me it is like there's an element to it and this is Edgar Wright uh, bringing in Beck with that music and the music is so perfect um, and it it just plays into that scene so well and is is the best soundtrack possible for that scene and then the effects which could have been stupid and ridiculous um, I think to a kid today they might not play as well as they do to us because there is a very clear direction of make that yeti look like it came out of a ghostbusters movie <laughs> because it looks like a ghostbusters it does. special it effect really does. um it like to, down to the to the crackling lightning and the yeah. thre- see-through aspect of it it looks like a ghostbusters ghost and yeah. it just hits me right in the nostalgia <laughs> exactly where it's supposed to um, right. It's a very like Edgar Wright is a very precise filmmaker, and, uh, and 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 that comes across in this movie, and it will always stand as the movie that that I will point out when people get upset that Edgar Wright didn't get to make Ant Man, they, they, and, and Marvel didn't take him off the project, he took himself off the project because he didn't like working with Marvel. Because he was going to make a Marvel movie that looked a lot like a Scott Pilgrim movie. <laughs> and as much as that would be cool, it wouldn't mesh with it the wouldn't other Marvel fit movies. At all. Yep. You can make a movie with the tone of a Scott Pilgrim, but aesthetically and stylistically, it has, to, it has to mirror everything else. Like Guardians of the Galaxy is a lot like Scott Pilgrim in its humor and its comedy but tonally and aesthetically it fits with the rest of the movies yeah so yes his ant-man would have been ridiculous off the hook and it would have been probably a better movie than um oh i had his name it just fell out of my head the director who ends up making ant-man which i think is a great movie um but it would have been a better movie than that but it wouldn't have fit with it the would, rest of yeah, Marvel. It would have been this disjointed, weird thing, and it would have been very difficult for a lot of audiences to then see Ant-Man show up in Civil War, because he's going to. <laughs> right. You know, or how do you, how do you, you see Falcon
0: that? show up in Ant-Man. Exactly. Like, what is Falcon doing in this movie? Yeah,
1: yeah. And how come he's more ridiculous in this than he is, right? Yeah, yeah. So um i love edgar wright i think he's a fantastic director too when they when he left the ant-man production i breathed a sigh of relief and i think i was one of very few people who did because i was like good marvel movies are intact we're not going to all of a sudden switch but edgar wright can do different styles
0: i mean you look at oh
1: he totally can but he wasn't going to yeah that's that's, that's, why, that's what it comes down to and the reason why he ended up leaving it, it didn't come out of the blue that's the thing is that there were issues leading up to it Yeah, and yep. it, it ended up being a, uh, there seems to be conflict thank goodness he's going to leave and they're just going to give it to a shooter and they're going to get the job done and you know essentially
0: well I bet Marvel asked them to leave and, and they were like how do you want us to spin this do you, want, do you want to leave on your own or do you want us to say that we can't yet? Sure. Sure. Um, I think because I think that Joss Whedon's going through the same thing right now, right with Avengers.
1: I do think I, uh, yeah, I think that Kevin Feige is a is a good enough producer that that he knows when something's working and when it's not working. Yeah, and and I think that because like Joss Whedon just did an interview a little while ago that where he said it's not that he doesn't want to make another Marvel movie; it's that he can't keep making Marvel movies because if he's gonna be a part of it it's not just it's not just Avengers it's also Ant-Man and it's also Guardians of the Galaxy and it's also Civil War and it's also Winter yeah. Soldier like all he talked characters. about it and he was like when you're there when you're when you're part of the club you can't help but get involved in everything everybody is doing because it's also connected. <laughs> right. So yeah. his thing was that, like, he couldn't... it, it Having to do the whole Thor sequence in, in Avengers aggravated him, but it's not the reason why he left. The reason why he left is because he wants to make other stuff, and he can't if he's a part of... It's, it's too tempting to be a part of everything. Um, I think with Edgar Wright, it was a little bit different in the sense that that for him it was... Uh, the, the he wanted to make his own comic book movie and they didn't want him to make a comic book movie. They wanted him to make a Marvel Studios movie. Which is now a very specific thing. Sure is. And for good reason everybody loves them. They do incredibly well at the box office yep. and they're making buckets buckets of money for Disney. So you gotta you gotta toe the line, right? If you're gonna work in that corporate structure, you gotta toe the line. Uh, if Edgar Wright wants to go make crazy off the wall movies, I'm totally behind that. But if he wants to make a Marvel movie, he's got a, he has to play within the constraints. He
0: does, yeah, for sure.
1: But with Scott Pilgrim, he didn't, and nope. we see what that is, right? We see it completely uh, outside the box and pushing comic book movies farther than any other comic book movie has so far. I think, um, and definitely to to the best degree I think I think Scott Pilgrim for me stands as the best comic book movie and that is to say a comic book that is on screen um and I right
0: yeah even the way he plays with it the panels on the screens and yeah yeah. he uses
1: sequential art as an inspiration for what he's doing Mm -hmm. whereas Avengers Iron Man Captain America they use the source material as inspiration to tell great right to make great movies yeah and it's a very different thing. Uh, the first Hulk movie, the Ang Lee's Hulk tried to be a comic book movie and it didn't quite hit it cuz it had the panels and everything, yeah. but it was a little bit too tacky. You
0: know? Well, because it was still trying to be a Marvel Studios quote unquote Marvel Studios. Well, movie. no, the,
1: no the the first Hulk movie. Oh, I know I, I know that it was before all, all that Marvel time, Studios.
0: but it still was it's Yeah, I get. it still felt like one of those, those nothing was types connected of at that point. Yeah. But yeah, it was
1: yeah yeah it was trying to be a blockbuster movie which scott pilgrim doesn't try to be a blockbuster no i think that's the thing that makes it uh it has that indie feel which it has to because the comics have that indie feel yeah so who would you bring in back to bring that indie music feel even though like but it, it is a good example of working within a studio to to still maintain that independent spirit yeah but uh uh, yeah uh, he, he I think probably wanted to push a little bit too far with Ant-Man um, yeah I think that's it I think that does it for our pilgrimage and uh, <laughs> our, we've, yep. we've now returned to uh, uh, our regularly scheduled uh, uh, comics what are we reading next month?
0: well next month uh, <clears throat> my pick is going to be a book called Here by Richard Maguire um, a very uh, very unusual type of graphic novel Um each each page is one shot of a living room through different and each page Mm -hmm. is a different point in history and sometimes even within the page a couple of panels are different points in history so it's uh yeah it'll be an exercise for sure and uh hopefully a fun to read for you
1: i well if that's not fun to read for for people i am bringing buckets of fun with my pick yep i maybe not as much substance that's (laughs) okay pure fun so it's a good balance. Yeah. Uh, and that is Sonic the Hedgehog, Mega Man, Worlds Collide, the complete epic, uh, which it is as big of a book as the title would imply. Yeah. Um, it is a it is a massive crossover of three series: uh, Sonic the Hedgehog, Sonic Universe, and Mega Man. Wow. Um, and the first time the Blue Blur and the Blue Bomber oh. are together. I uh, and uh, this is really the first time. It this was the first time. The second time being Super Smash Brothers. Uh, I, Wii U, uh, huh. Wii U, and 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 3ds. Uh, those right. are the second time that the that the two characters. Uh, I would have thought these guys able. clashed before, since they've both been with Archie for a while. No, I. Mega Man's only been with Archie since I think like 2011, 2012. Oh, really? Who was he yeah. with before? I I don't know. I don't know who. Uh, I think I. Uh, I think maybe IDW had done some Mega Man stuff previous to that.
0: Okay. Um, maybe like Udon Studios or something.
1: Yeah, I think it might have been Udon. I think you might be right on that because because they're very tied to Capcom. Um, okay, yeah. Uh, so you could be right on that. And I think they may have done like a Mega Man X comic and some other stuff. Because so. I know
0: there's been lots of stuff in the past yeah. with Mega Man. Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, but yeah, I mean Sonic has been with Archie since Since the 90s, yeah. 90, right. so... Uh, uh, yeah um, okay. and I, I've been a Sonic comic reader for a long time and I stopped this is the first comic, Sonic comic that I've read in a very long time nice
0: well we'll so. see what your thoughts are on yeah. it uh, and, and then our reader
1: poll yeah our reader poll is X-Men Guardians of the Galaxy The Trial of Jean Grey um, and that comes to us by way of Matt Campbell uh, yep. as the reader poll and uh, that'll be some nice uh, uh, middle road Right. for us, uh, mainstream sort of uh, uh, classic comic book feel yeah that'll be
0: a good it's another team up yep <laughs> yeah. cool it'll be a good, uh, a good mix good variety
1: yeah well uh, that's it for us uh, this week and this month uh, thank you for following us along on this epic uh, Scott pilgrimage yes. uh, through the entire series and the movie um, and uh, uh, we will catch you guys on the next episode.
0: Yeah, keep reading comics. For more Pullbox Podcast episodes, you can check out PullboxPodcast.com. To submit a reader poll, uh, you can email the Pullbox Podcast at gmail.com. You can also find us at Twitter and on Instagram
1: at Pullbox Podcast. You can follow me, Curtis, on Instagram at Curtis Finley and you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at @arkwul. A-R-K-W-U-L-F. Uh, you can you can also find all of our other great podcasts over at thunderquack.com and uh, uh, that's the home of the Thunderquack Podcast Network of which we are proudly a part. And uh, and if you want to help support all of our podcasts at Thunderquack, you can do that by heading to patreon.com/thunderquack and, uh, and, and you, can, you can pledge your support over there. Every dollar helps, but uh, if you're a Pullbox fan and supporter, then you'd definitely be interested in the $20 level, which allows you to get all three episodes of the Pullbox podcast, all three of our books, as one long, super long episode uh, right at the beginning of the month, as opposed to having to wait for the individual episodes to be released. So you can find all that at patreon.com slash thunderquack and all of our other podcasts at thunderquack.com.